This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Covered in Pet Hair, a boozy show for pet lovers on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a lady who believes in dog, and boy does she ever. I will tell you all about her and introduce you as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsors. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel alvarez Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a pet parent, an entrepreneur. She's an animal rescue advocate and volunteer. She's a cocktail connoisseur and a coffee lover. She's an introvert, Baltimorean. Is that something that you are allowed to say for Baltimore people, or is that like frowned upon? Baltimorean would be <laughs> the nicer way. <laughs> yeah, is it derogatory? <laughs> yeah. Baltimorean is a derogatory way of describing Baltimore natives. I have always heard that because one of my best friends' husbands is a Baltimorean and he refers to himself as such. So I was trying to make sure that that was not derogatory, but I failed, obviously. you are. She is wife to Tim, dog mom to a pit mix named Penny, who she found in an alley in Baltimore, and to Nino, also a pity, who she adopted from a shelter and is a little scaredy, scaredy, fearful little buddy that she just recently talked about in a podcast that she did. Speaking of, she is the founder of the Believe in Dog podcast and co-host of the Alternative Dog Moms podcast. She's creator of the Dog Health Journal. Her name is Erin Scott. Welcome, Erin. It's so good to have you on the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. And I did not mean anything by calling you a Baltimorean. <laughs> Baltimore people are some of my favorite people. I went to the University of Maryland in College Park. I spent a lot of time in Baltimore, Bells Point, you name it. I had such a good time. Halloween's that I may barely remember. I love Baltimore. So I'm so excited to have you here on the show. So before I go any further and get into your history and your life story and how you ended up with so many podcasts and so many pet related projects, I want to introduce our drinking game today. So anybody participating in our drinking game, anytime you hear this word, the secret word is brindle. Make sure you take a drink of whatever you're enjoying, but please be sure you're over 21 to partake, never drink and drive, and always drink responsibly. So what are you having tonight, Erin? So this is a cocktail. I don't know if my husband invented it, but he certainly turned me on to it. So it's two ounces of screwball peanut butter whiskey, plus two ounces of Mr. Black coffee liqueur. 
And then you whip some heavy cream and pour it on top with a dash of cinnamon. This is why I like Baltimore people. Because y'all know how to drink. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and y'all know how to cook. Because Baltimore is some of the best food in the world. So I am so excited. Does he have a name for this drink? We just call it the coffee drink. <laughs> the coffee drink. I love it. A coffee drink is always a good idea. Well, I'm actually having a white sangria that I made with some pomegranates, some Cointreau, some leftover Gerstaminer that I had uh, that was a little bit too sweet to drink on its own. So I decided to make a sangria out of it. So cheers. Thank you again for being on the show. Here's to you and to Tim for making an awesome cocktail. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is your love of dog. You aptly named your podcast, your first podcast, Believe in Dog Podcast, the Believe in Dog Podcast. You believe so strongly in the connection between humans and dogs that the first game we're going to play tonight is the dog bond. And it's actually based on a study that was highlighted in, on the, the website aspenideas.org, the mysterious mind of a dog. So we're going to talk about just connections that humans and dogs share. Are you ready to play? Of course. All right, let's do this. Okay. So dogs increase our empathy. True or false? True. Absolutely. And it's actually studied by a professor named Alexandra Horowitz. She's a dog cognition scientist and professor at Columbia University. Second one is bonding with dogs is akin to bonding with a newborn. True or false? True. It is true. We All of that releases oxytocin from everybody involved. And this study actually said this session that they have highlighted here says that dogs actually like, kind of like hijacked that connection between humans and newborns. And they kind of look at us and they gaze in our eyes kind of like newborns do so that we can release oxytocin when, and want to pet them more. It works. It does work. All right, this is kind of funny, but I promise you this is science. Human excrement played a major role in the domestication of dogs. I'll say true, but I don't know why. It is true. According to Brian Hare, professor of evolutionary anthropology out of Duke University, human feces is like an energy bar for a wolf. It's cooked, digested, it doesn't run away, and it has more protein than chicken. Did not know that. <laughs> mm. So all of the moms that have dogs and kids and have been potty training and the dog wants to get to the poop before you're able to throw it out, the dog knows it's chock full of nutrients. It's evolutionary. It's evolutionary, guys. All right. Dogs dream like we do. True or false? True. It is true. But guess what? We haven't been able to study dog dreams like we do in humans so we have no idea what they dream about what do you think they dream about oh i always think nino is dreaming about like chasing squirrels or having his ball and like having 18 balls in his mouth at the same time <laughs> <laughs> i love that uh so i have a 15 year old dog titan who definitely doesn't remember his dreams if he's dreaming at all and i think that he probably just dreams about like the kids dropping food all day and him <laughs> picking it up because that's what's keeping him young at heart is my kids messiness all right, next one. Sleep is just as important for dogs as it is for people. True or false? Oh, absolutely true. It is true. According to the same expert, Brian Hare, the activation that happens at night for dogs helps them consolidate memories and learn new things. So everybody needs to get their sleep, not just our toddlers, not just us, but also our dogs, which a lot of people are like, oh, they don't have sleep cycles. They don't need to sleep, but they do. All right. This one's really interesting. 
So the the guilty look, you know the guilty look we see on social oh, yeah. media of dogs that have gotten into something they weren't supposed to get into is an expression of true guilt. True or false? False. It is false. Tell me why. Well, I've heard that they don't really understand guilt, that it's just they're getting yelled at, so they're looking like they're getting yelled at. That's exactly right. So the same professor, Alexandra Horowitz, she says that they know we're upset and reacting to our right yes so that's why they are looking all sad not because they're recognizing that they violated any kind of rule because they're really not capable of really understanding our rules right all right perfect great job (laughs) awesome job 100 over 100 okay so you refer to yourself often as a reluctant pet parent a reluctant dog owner yes so your husband was the one who wanted a dog you talk about the story of him always wanting a female brindle pit bull which is so cute because he had met one earlier in life and he just said like that's gonna be my dog one day yeah so what about dog ownership made you reluctant Well, I had had some funny experiences with dogs in my life. My parents never really let us have any pets. And the impression that I got was like, well, pets are kind of a pain or, you know, they're annoying. It's a lot of work, you know, and so that was what I thought. And then I had this friend growing up and every time I went over her house, she would be like, don't get the dog excited because he'll piddle. And I never had dogs. I didn't know what piddle meant. And it meant pee on my foot. (laughs) Yeah, submissive urination, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it was a little cocker spaniel that would like get so excited. And so then I'm like, oh, this is gross. Now my socks are all wet, you know. And then when I was a teenager, I, I dated this guy and they they lived kind of like near these woods, like they had all this wooded property. And uh, every time I would go there, like the dog would just come like barreling out of the woods, always covered in mud. <laughs> And, you know, I'm a teenager. I got like some cute little outfit on, you know, and the dog would just like jump on me, like knock me down. I'm covered in mud. And I was like, oh, you know, so if they're not peeing on you, they're like getting you muddy. That was like my impression of dogs. So I didn't know about this whole thing. (laughs) And what do your parents say now who never let you have a dog growing up now that you're like obsessed with dogs? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're a surprise. I don't know. I think they always seem to be surprised by me. I love that. Well, that's not a bad thing. You keep them on your toes, on their toes. All right. So you founded the Believe in Dog podcast after a significant life experience. Several, Um, yeah. (laughs) Several. You mentioned that you are a breast cancer survivor. Yes. And how did that play into your wanting to tell the stories that you tell on your podcast? Well, Penny, who is snoring next to me right now. You know, she was a really big part of me getting through uh, breast cancer treatment. You know, everybody meant well, but there's something about that look that people get in their eye. And I hated that look. You know, I, I didn't want to be looked at differently. I just wanted to go to work. I just wanted to do my thing. Like, I know I had this thing to deal with, but for some reason, it was very hard for me to like take that in. And yet when I was with her, I could just be me and we could just drive around. I could jam out to Jane's addiction for the 475th (laughs) time, you know, and nobody cared if I'm listening again. Uh, And we could just have a good time. And I was just me and they were just let it, you know, she could just let me be me. And and there wasn't any of that like emotional heaviness when, you know, when I was with her. And, you know, a lot of this was like bouncing around in my head for a long time. And I had some friends who were doing a podcast and I sat down with them one day and I was telling them about this, like, wouldn't it be cool to sit down and like hear the stories of like how dogs have helped people through a hard time or what, you know, dogs have inspired people to do. And they're like, 
why don't you just start your own podcast? And I had like never thought of this before, but part of having the breast cancer experience honestly just made me think just how short life is. And I remember the first time the doctor was telling me the diagnosis and I looked at her and I said, I don't have time for this. Like I got stuff to do. And I remember my mom going, what do you have to do? And, uh, and, and I think, uh, I think I knew like I was supposed to be doing something else. And so because of the impact that dogs have made in my life and just of people who I know personally, as well as people I follow, whether it's on social media or what have you, I was like, people have a lot of really interesting stories and, and maybe I can be part of telling those stories. So that's kind of. How, how that all came about you do a great job we were just talking about how i feel like you're like the oprah of the dog podcasting world because you i have will like take this, that a compliment <laughs> so you have such a soothing your your voice right now is very like casual like we're getting to know each other but your voice on your podcast especially your first episode where you tell the story of how you became inspired and you share a lot of hardships you've been through your voice is so on point that honestly it sounds like an audiobook it sounds like you're reading a story so like the day that you write down your story and share the believe in dog podcast verse you know book you should read the audiobook because you have the perfect voice for that uh well tell me who is your favorite guest you've interviewed in your oh what do you have like almost 60 episodes so yeah if you were to have to narrow it down have oh my to, gosh who's your first favorite? of all that's like like i feel so like hard. i have to yeah like i feel like i have to like fall in love with everybody's story, you know, and really just see the beauty of it. So when I'm doing them, like everyone that I'm doing feels like my favorite. I will say one of the more recent ones I did was super duper special to me. It was with Meredith May, who's an author. And she and I have a special connection because her half brother was one of my best friends in high school. And they did not grow up together. She grew up in California with her mom. He grew up here with their dad. And I have learned a lot from her writing because she's written a couple other books about like their family dynamic mm -hmm. and their family relationships. And so it was really extra special for me to, to share that. And also because she was so honest about, oh, I made all these mistakes. I had all these assumptions of, and, and I was wrong and I had to learn and evolve and adjust. And I just so appreciate anybody who's able to be like that honest and that brave. And she's really opened herself up to some criticism about some of the yes. things she did or thought or her actions. And I mean, I just think that that's um, amazingly brilliant and brave. So that, that episode is extra special to me. I actually haven't finished all of it, but I've listened to the majority of it. And I agree. She she talks about how she went to a breeder, how it was kind of an impulse thing, how it became competitive. She wanted to get to the dogs before other people who were looking at the dogs got there. She ended up adopting or buying uh, the most difficult dog she's had yeah. in her dog owning history, which is a long one. Um, and I think we've all been there. We've all been in moments where we kind of like we lost sight of what was important. We kind of just like kept going forward. And then we learned a lesson as a result. Yeah. Not that it was a mistake because it was probably meant to happen. And it, a lot of good came from it. But yeah, she did talk about how she was criticized for going to a breeder and how that was the point she was trying to make. She was trying to make the point that like you can get, you know, you can go to a breeder, you can go to the shelter. What you get is what you get. And yeah. that's you have to consider that before you adopt any pet that it may not be perfect and it may take some work and i know you've worked a ton with rescue so i want to take a break right now and when we come back i want to dig in a little bit deeper into your experience as a rescue advocate 
especially in the Baltimore area. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with Aaron Scott of the Believe in Dog podcast right after this. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. Today I am speaking to Aaron Scott, the host, the creator of the Believe in Dog podcast, which really tells stories about how dogs influence our lives, how they change our lives, how they help us heal, how they teach us things, how they make us better people. And before I get into how dogs have made her a better person through her volunteer work, I actually want to get into a little bit of Baltimore trivia. So the second game we're going to play is called Be More First. So I'm going to give you some trivia and you're going to tell me if it's true or false. And this is about Baltimore being the first to do something. So let me know what you think. We'll see how much you know about your home city of Baltimore. All right. The first one is in 1743, the first professional sports organization in the whole United States was formed in Baltimore. True or false? True. Do you know which one it was? I'm thinking baseball. It wasn't baseball, the Maryland Jockey Club. Oh, okay. Maryland, okay. for those that don't know, has a lot of, you know, horse racing, horse racing, the Preakness and all that. So yes, that actually stood out to me. I'm not big on horse racing as most animal advocates are not, but it did. It was something that was organized in Maryland. Baltimore is part of U.S. aviation history with the first manned hot air balloon ascent. True or false? I have no idea. <laughs> it is true. Most people oh. might think it's New Mexico because they have the hot air balloon, you know, festival. But it actually yeah. the first time a hot air balloon, a manned hot air balloon went up was in Baltimore. Did not know that. I didn't either until I did this research. Baltimore was the first planned city in North America. True or false? True. It's actually false. It was really? Philadelphia. Oh. Yes, yes. All right. Next, in 1816, Baltimore was the first U.S. city to illuminate its streets using hydrogen gas. True or false? Yes, true. It is true. It is true. Baltimore is home to one of the first permanent monuments to George yes. Washington. Do you know where, what? Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, yeah. I used to work right by it. <laughs> oh, cool. Is <laughs> yeah, it in downtown it's in Baltimore? 
Yeah, uh, just like a couple blocks north of downtown, yeah, on Charles Street. Nice. All right. Awesome. I don't think I've been there before, to be honest with you. I've spent a lot of time downtown Baltimore. Definitely been to an Orioles game. Definitely been to the Inner Harbor, but not sure that I've seen this monument. All right. Next one. Yellow pencils were invented in Baltimore. True or false? That sounds like vaguely true to me, like something I learned in fourth grade, but... <laughs> It's false. According okay. to the research I did, they were invented in Chicago. Okay. <laughs> All right. I have two more for you. Baltimore was the first city to erect a statue to Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, that has to be true. It is true. <laughs> and who doesn't love Edgar Allan Poe? All right. Next one. Since 1949, every year on the night of Poe's birthday, a mysterious stranger in black used to leave a bottle of cognac and three roses on his grave. Yes, absolutely true. It is true. And just as mysteriously, he or she stopped going in 2009. So that was the last year that somebody did this. They would bring a bottle of cognac and three roses to Edgar Allan Poe's grave. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. Well, I love that. I love that <laughs> trivia. That was super cool. So you volunteer with a nonprofit called Be More Dogs. How did you get involved with them? And what kind of work do you do for them as a volunteer? So it's kind of evolved over the years. Originally, it started out uh, just as kind of like a pro pit bull organization. You know, pit bulls are super common dogs in, in Baltimore. And, you know, there's a lot of weirdness around having a pit bull sometimes. Unfortunately, and, yes. Yeah. Which I had no idea about when I first, you know, adopted dogs. But and, and when I you first got your female brindle pit bull, pit bull you yeah, had no idea that people were going to no. be scared of her. Yeah, no idea. And and I, and I'm like, oh my god, if people met Lucy, like they would fall in love with her. And that was sort of my <laughs> motivation of of finding this. And it was also just to promote, like, oh, that you know, a lot of the early uh, people in Be More Dog, you know, were involved in like agility and dock diving and just showing, oh, that you know, pit bull dogs can be you know competitive in these sports and and great yes. and putting a face out there. And so we had a lot of like goals in the very beginning of kind of like helping people just kind of be be more responsible, you know, keeping your dog in your yard, you know, just things like this. And, and so we started going out and going to community events and really kind of like hearing what the needs of the community were. And what we really found out was, you know, people had no access to veterinary care in a lot of neighborhoods in Baltimore, not only just for money, uh, you know, financials, a, a big thing, but also just transportation. You know, if you have a pit bull dog, uh, you can't get on a city bus to take him to the no. vet. And right. just like there are resource deserts and even food deserts where there's areas where people don't have access to a grocery store, there's veterinary deserts. And, yep. you know, there's a lot of people who don't, you know, can't walk down the street. I mean, there's, you know, 10 vet clinics within a five mile radius, you know, of me. In Probably a suburb, even more. sure. Yeah. Right. But, you know, when you live, you know, in a impoverished neighborhood, that's not the case. So we started doing pop-up veterinary clinics in various neighborhoods throughout Baltimore where people don't have access to veterinary care. So yeah, so I get to work very closely with the veterinarians, kind of act like as a vet assistant. We've had almost 4,000 dogs come through our clinics over the last, I think it's 11 years now. Wow. Uh, so I've been right there, you know, for, for almost all of those, you know. So yeah, it's been really special to, to learn about the needs of the community, to hear the stories of people's dogs, you know, uh, we've been able to dispel a lot of misconceptions. What we really learned was there's a ton of rescue that goes on, you know, in neighborhoods where people don't have access to resources. Right. And a lot of people taking in neighbors' dogs, you know, something happens to someone. 
spending money out of their own pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having their dogs eat before they do. Like these are all common stories that we hear time and time and time again. So uh, it's been super just motivating and just very special and it has made me a better person and and made me realize, you know, just how, you know, how privileged I am to have what I have and, and that I do feel a duty to give back and serve, you know, to help dogs, but also to help people. Cause I think what we learned is it's really great if we care about dogs, but we really need to care about people too. Yes. So it, it's been a, a really special experience to, to get to do those. Yes, absolutely. Especially for people who love dogs as fervently as you do, right? You obviously have that connection already. So now you're like, now you're peers, you're not strangers. Now you're right. like, you're connected with that love right. of dog. Uh, so do you have a full-time job or is the dog world now your full-time job? No, I do have a day job. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So what do you do for your day job? Just curious. I'm a paralegal. Oh my goodness. Busy, busy, busy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're a paralegal. You have two podcasts that you do. You volunteer. It sounds like very often and very consistently with uh, this organization, Be More Dogs, but you also started the dog health journal. Is that a physical journal that you sell? Or is it an online journal? So right now it's a digital download, but I'm working to get it available to print, which has taken 10 times longer than I ever could have imagined. (laughs) But I really want it to be, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age. I really like having a physical object that I can write in, you know, (laughs) like I'm very analog that way or tactile that way, you know. Well, you're a paralegal, so you're comfortable with papers. Yes. That is awesome. So what, tell me about how that came to be and what exactly this digital download entails. So it all started with Penny here. You know, all of my dogs have had at some point or another, just like really crazy, complicated health issues that are like not easy to (sighs) diagnose. And it was actually kind of during the quarantine time that Penny started having a health crisis. And I was trying to keep track of all these different things that we were doing, you know, like we would be doing like green tea foot soaks one day and then, you know, wait, wait, were you both doing the green tea foot soaks or just her? Just her. Uh, But it was like, it was a husband and wife effort to try to get this done because she didn't like her feet being touched because her feet had all these sores. Oh, poor baby. Yeah, it was a mess. And then in the middle of all this with her feet, she gets an ear infection. And so I'm trying to keep track of, of everything that I'm doing and her medicines are changing. We're doing herbs. You know, we work with a holistic vet. So, you know, we're just mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of different things and she's Ugh. asking for a lot of information. And I was trying to find like, there's got to be a way to keep track of all this stuff that I'm doing. And I couldn't find what I was looking for. And I started trying to just create something for myself, like in Canva, like how mm-hmm. am I going to keep track of all we're doing? And in the middle of all this, like she gets this ear infection. We have very common ear medication that, you know, you put right down in their ears. And fortunately it was during quarantine. So I was home. And the next day we, we, we start this medicine on like a Saturday, you know, Sunday. So now it's Monday and the mailman comes and she slept right through it. And normally she gives him the business when he comes <laughs> up. Yeah. And I'm like, that's really weird, you know, because they bang the, you know, the mailbox is right outside our front door. So it bangs and she starts yep. barking. I'm like, that's like, she's never slept through the mailman. Like, that's strange. And then like, I had to run out somewhere. I come home. She's asleep right by the front door and she doesn't wake up when I came in. And I'm like, I mean, like I dropped down, like, oh my God, what's wrong? And, you know, and then she kind of wakes up like, oh, you're home. And I start realizing like, she didn't hear me. 
And I'm looking and I look at our, at my all my notes and my journal and I'm like, we just started an ear medicine. Like, could this be affecting her hearing? So wow. I text our vet and she calls me back like two minutes later, like, oh my God, stop the medicine. Because in like this small percentage of dogs, it's like 0.5%, they can develop, it's called an ototoxicity reaction that destroys their hearing. Oh and can cause and cause them to go deaf. So luckily, we caught it very very quickly, uh, and she did eventually get some of her hearing back. She's not totally deaf, but it's definitely not like it used to be. Um, so that was kind of that's when I'm like, I need from to get a routine on top of this. from a yeah. routine ear infection medicine. Yeah, that everybody has probably used at some point. Yeah, and, that is uh, terrifying. And what's scary yeah. is that our dogs can't tell us, like, right? I something's can't hear weird. out of this ear, right? Like my yeah. like my kids could even say at this point, being like, something's wrong in my ear. It might take a minute to figure out what it is, but your dog can't tell you anything about yeah. and you have to wait until there's a physical manifestation of the symptom. And thankfully you were home and you saw that. But you're right, how scary that like it could have completely taken her hearing. Yeah. So I, I felt really fortunate. So that's when I started realizing, like, could this journal help somebody else? Like maybe there's somebody right. else out here who's like, you know, I was thinking of like, you know, maybe your dog has cancer. Maybe your dog has allergies. You're doing like food trials, you know, where you're trying all different foods to see how they react to things. And so I was like, I, I need to get this in some kind of format where it could help somebody. Yes. So, so I have, you know, there's like daily pages that help you keep track of everything that you're doing each day. And then I have a vet visit page, which is like one of my favorite things because you go to the vet, like this is me going to the vet stresses me out. I'm always stresses like afraid I'm going to forget something. Right. Yes. Like, I'm going to, I've, like I've been driving halfway home and realized I forgot to get this refilled. I forgot to ask this question. You know, mm -hmm. they're telling me a bunch of stuff. And then it's like, all you get is a copy of the receipt with the charges. And then a right. year from now, you're like, wait, what did I take her to the vet for? Like, what was yeah, this exactly. for? And so I was like, I want a way to keep track of everything, make sure I ask all my questions. And so I have this great template to help you with going to the vet, remembering all your questions, remembering your refills, your follow-ups, taking your oh my notes. Gosh. I need one of those for me and my kids. Right, right. And then uh, and then there's also kind of like a chart to kind of help you keep track of your of your vet visits. So that way, you know, like what was really helpful for us with Penny, right, is what we found out was she had had like four courses of antibiotics in right. one year and it had really destroyed her gut health. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that until I put it all down on paper that she'd done all this. So I think it's important, you know, to keep track for these purposes too. So that's kind of like the different parts of the journal. And, uh, I, I have all that. these different versions I want to come out with, like a like this is really intense, but I, I want like a one that's a little easier, you know, for if your dog's not having like a crisis, so you can just keep track. So I have like eighteen different versions in my head. <laughs> I I would like to recommend a diagnosis journal because, for example, February of twenty twenty one, my dog Titan was diagnosed with degenerative myelopathy. That is what the veterinarian said he had. She still thinks he has that. I'm not convinced that he has that. I've done a ton of other things since to like check his genetic, you know, uh, mutations that would, you know, make him a candidate for even having that. He doesn't have that genetic mutation. I've done a ton of research. I kind of like biohacked him a little bit, you know, That's like amazing. when I found out because there's nothing you can do for these conditions, right? Cancer, degenerative myelopathy. These things are going to take your dog at some point, unless your dog is really young and maybe resilient degenerative myelopathy doesn't matter the age it will take your dog it's a degenerative nerve disease they lose all control of their body whether they're six or 15 when they're diagnosed it doesn't matter they will go and so i have no idea and i have a lot of ideas of what i've done in the past like year and a half 
to keep him here. He is still here. We celebrated his 15th birthday Aww, in July. Amazing. We had a quinceanera for him, which was really fun. I love it. But seriously, like when I look back, I'm like, I don't know all the things that I did. And I wish I did. I wish I had started a journal, like a diagnosis yes. journal. Yeah, that's my chart. Yeah, that's my chart. Part, Today I I was my dog was diagnosed with this. And these are all the things I'm going to do for this diagnosis. And I'll like, send it to you, see if it helps you. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, I love that idea. I think getting organized. I'm a big organization person. Like all day long, I'm constantly watching organization videos. I love organization porn, as they call it, where like somebody takes like a super messy room and yes. makes it. But I think we need to get organized with medical um things as well because like you said like we forget how often our pets are being medicated even our veterinarians have a hard time keeping up because they yeah. they're not always super i guess like focused on what was happened before they're looking right. at the medical condition right now and what has to happen but if you're like well they were just on antibiotics six weeks ago what do we do next instead or is there something i should do simultaneously it opens up these conversations that can make a huge difference so Absolutely. i i love that idea i love it so much so what do you think last question is the biggest challenge that dog owners dog guardians dog parents face today i think it is related to their health care you know i host the alternative dog moms podcast you know I'm a raw feeder. I do a lot of holistic alternative measures. I think there's a lot of things that we can do. And I think that the veterinary industry has become very corporatized. And that's not always to the benefit of our dogs. It's to the benefit right. of corporations. Um, I'm a little cynical with that stuff. Yeah, no, same. So, so yes, yeah, so I think it, it takes a certain amount of uh, being willing to go outside the box and, uh, and and look for some other answers. And, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to provide any direction I can to anybody who's dealing with something like that. There's a lot of alternatives that are out there. Um, there's a lot of people who are doing amazing work out there. They might not be the vet that's right down the street from your house, but you know, there's a ton of people out there who are really working to keep dogs healthy. So yeah, that, that's what I would say. Yeah. And the average pet parent doesn't have the access like you and I do being in the industry to all these people, right? Like we are basically like the curators of these resources, right? You interview people that have great stories to tell. I interview people who are doing fun things in the industry. We inevitably end up stumbling across veterinarians that are really inspirational yeah. or product manufacturers that are changing things around. But like your average pet parent doesn't have that access. I just went to Super Zoo and I met so many people and learned about so many brands that are not only doing better for our pets, but also for the environment that are sourcing things more responsibly. And most the average pet parent just doesn't know about those. So it's it's important that people like you and I kind of become that connection. I, so tell us in that vein, tell us how my audience can learn more about you and follow you and, and learn more of your recommendations. Yes. Well, definitely listen to the Believe in Dog podcast and the Alternative Dog Moms. That's where we really geek out on health and wellness and everything we're doing with our dogs and bring in some of the people who are doing some of the most cutting edge things in the you know veterinary health world. Like you said, the Believe in Dog is a little more heart centered is, is always mm -hmm. my hope. But with people who have really inspirational stories, whether it's starting a company, starting a nonprofit, you know, leaving a corporate job to you know work with dogs full time, you know, goals. Yes. <laughs> And then I'm on Instagram at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores, 
between each word. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, to hear from you. And if, if somebody has a health problem, like I'm, I'm always happy to help you point them in the right direction, share the resources that I have. Um, I, I live for that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. And just a shout out to Kimberly Gautier. She yes. is your co-host on the Alternative Dog Moms yes, podcast. She was, yeah, she was a guest on Covered in Pet Hair. Oh, I will great. link, I'll link the video to her interview up here so oh, you guys can great. get to know her too. Uh, yeah, you guys are a great match. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I thank just want to propose a toast to you, to yes. Tim, to all the <laughs> puppies that you have impacted. Thank you for all you do. Thank you so much. I also want to propose a toast to our executive producer, Mark Winter. Thank you, Mark. And to our audience for tuning in with all of these awesome guests that I get to bring to you. So thank you for being my audience. Thank you for following all of our guests and supporting us in this endeavor to get more people informed of all the good things that are out there for your pets. So cheers to you. Here's to a life covered in pet hair because there's no better way to live. Cheers. To learn more about Covered in Pet Hair, please visit CoveredInPetHair.com or PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.